Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 3P Podcast. This is episode five of our third season. I'm your host, Alex Castle, and I'm joined by... Stephen Bonazzo and Josh Framowitz. We got another great episode lined up for you guys today, but before we get into what we're talking about today, if you guys haven't seen last week's episode, we interviewed super agent, NFL agent David Cantor. David, if you're listening to this one, thank you again. We all had a great experience from that, so go check that out. But what we got on the table for today, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, the biggest game of the NFL season this Sunday, the Super Bowl. We got the Bucs. We got the Chiefs. A great matchup. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the NBA, what we've seen from our teams, what we've seen from the league. And last but not least, we got some time. We'll talk some puck for all you hockey heads. So first, the Super Bowl. Gentlemen, Tom Brady making his return. I mean, people are going nuts over this. The odds of Brady winning are increasing. The fans just keep, you know, putting out there, Brady's the GOAT, Brady's the GOAT. Josh, I'm going to start off with you. You know, a Jets fan, obviously, you've dealt with Brady a lot in your division. Are you buying into all this hype? You know, is he going to win a ring with this with this Bucks team? That's tough because, obviously, these two teams played already and the Chiefs won. But that was earlier in the season. Neither team has lost since that game. They're both on tears, not just on offense, but their defense. They're getting the stops when they need to. Um, they're saying everyone is saying that this matchup is the goat Tom Brady versus the baby goat Pat Mahomes, and it's going to be a really, really good matchup. Probably the best quarterback matchup in a really long time. Do I think the Buccaneers are going to win? I don't think so. I just think Pat Mahomes with his weapons and what their defense is capable of is going to be too much for Tom Brady and his team to keep up. But I think if you love a high-scoring offensive showdown, that this Sunday will not disappoint. I, I agree with that. You talk about weapons. You talk about the quarterback matchup. You also got to talk about the tight end matchup. You got Gronk, you got Kelsey. A lot of people are saying Kelsey, but on the other hand, Gronk does have the, obviously he has his championship experience with Brady. Steve, what do you think about this tight end matchup? You think it's uh, sealed? You think it's all Kelsey or do we, do we see a little, uh, a little vintage Gronk in this game? Well, listen, you're obviously going to see a lot of Kelsey. The Chiefs involve Kelsey so much for good reason. He is probably right now the best tight end in the league. Some can argue George Kittle. But you can't forget about Rob Gronkowski Gronk because of what he's done, who he is. I mean, the dude is still a beast. Uh, he's a little older now. He's had injuries, but he's still he's still a monster. And I mean, that screen he took in the Green Bay game, he looked pretty quick there and looked pretty good there. And it was like a thirty yard reception, maybe even more. So it just depends of how the Buccaneers involve Gronk, how much they use him and how much Brady targets him. So to me, I think Kelsey will probably have the better game, will have the more targets, and will be uh, incorporated more within the game. But you can't forget about Gronk. And the last Super Bowl that Brady and Gronk both played in, Super Bowl 53 against the Rams, Edelman was a guy, but then Gronk was like the next guy. Gronk made some huge plays. Uh, he had that one huge reception and um, he didn't catch the touchdown, but he got tackled at like the one or two yard line, which gave them that perfect position to score a touchdown because that was a low scoring game. I don't think this game will be a low scoring game like that one was. So it will be interesting to see which tight ends will um, will be incorporated more and will be, you know, pretty much hoisting the Lombardi trophy at the end of the night. Um. I like that you brought up like Gronk in the playoffs, a beast. His connection with Brady is unreal. Same could be said about Travis Kelsey and Pat Mahomes. They're those two, those two duos are unreal, especially it'll, I'm sure they will be involved heavily in the red zone. But I think for me, what it comes down to is Tyree kill. I think he's going to be the difference maker on Sunday. He is by far, the fastest guy in the league. 
Obviously, the Buccaneers are saying Scotty Miller is faster than Tyreek Hill. I don't buy it. No one is as fast as Tyreek Hill. There's no corner. There's no safety who could cover Tyreek Hill. I don't think the Buccaneers have a guy who will be able to slow him down. So I think Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill are going to have that deep ball connection, and he's just going to blow by everyone. He's going to have a ridiculous game. He had a ridiculous game against the Buccaneers last time they, they played having well over 200 yards, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Tyreek Hill had well over 150 receiving yards on Sunday. See, Josh, I completely understand that, but I think the Buccaneers would rather have the running backs beat them. I guess maybe Travis Kelsey beat them or another receiver. They, because like you said, of Tyreek Hill went absolutely insane in that regular season game against the Buccaneers. He had like over 200 receiving yards in the first half. I think all throughout this week, film, like they know that they can't let Tyreek Hill beat them, especially beat them downfield. So whether you have Devin White, like try to cover him in the mid- A linebacker? Did you say a linebacker? No, not downfield, like the medium range. Um. Because Devin White's very, very fast, super athletic. I think he's one of the best linebackers or rising linebackers right now. Um, and then the secondary, yeah, they'll definitely have their um, quite the challenge to face. And it'll be big if Antoine Winfield Jr., if he's playing or not. I haven't heard anything about him. I know he missed an NFC Championship game, I'm pretty sure, with an ankle injury. So... We got. I mean, even if he plays, he probably still won't be a hundred percent. So that'll be interesting. But a guy like Carlton Davis, he. I mean, he was talking a little smack with Michael Thomas after the um, this past week or earlier last week. So he's going to have to really be up for the challenge this week. But I think that the Buccaneers are going to do everything in their power to limit Tyreek Hill, and then rather have. Someone else beat them because Mahomes and Tyreek Hill can be, they can put up like almost 30 points a game just by themselves, whether they go deep and Mahomes launches like a 60 yard bomb or Tyreek Hill catches a slant and does a bunch of juke moves. And then before you know it, he's gone. So the Buccaneers defense is really going to have to focus where Tyreek Hill is on the field at all times, or else he will toast him for another 200 yards plus more. One thing that I'm going to bring up, and every you played football, so I'm sure your coaches have said that said this to you. You can't teach speed, correct? No, you can't. That is just naturally a given talent. Or not even, yeah, it's just you can't teach it, yeah. Tyreek Hill is going to be the fastest guy in the field. There's no way of stopping him. You double cover him and he could still blow by you. Plus, that'll leave single coverage on guys like Travis Kelsey. So I don't really see Tyreek Hill being limited at all come Sunday. I think he's going to still be the X factor. Whatever they try, he'll be used in as running backs at times. Jet sweeps. He'll be put in the slot. And it, it's going to be a matchup nightmare for the Bucks defense. And I don't really see him being stopped. Josh, I, I have to agree with you on that. No no disrespect to you, Steve. I do see your point. I do think that the goal will be to limit Tyreek Hill. But on the other hand, Travis Kelsey is one of those guys, is one of those tight ends that he can be resourceful on any part of the field. He could be a red zone target. He could be a screen guy. And I feel like if you give, if the Bucks give any advantage to Kelsey's game in that sense, then it's going to be a big problem. So... I don't know what their plan is going to be. I do think that their linebacker, their linebacker core for the Bucks is great. You talk, you touched upon a little bit about that earlier. I do think that's going to be great, but it, I think it's going to be tough. I think, I think Bruce Arians is going to have to really work with his. It, it, Bowles is the D coordinator, right? He is. So the D coordinator, so him and Bowles are going to have to really work together and figure out what's the most spread defense? I mean, as just, as Josh just mentioned, Steve, you have a little experience playing football. Can you give any insight into what 
you know, what this situation could entail in terms of the defense. Could we see a more spread defense? Could it be more double coverage on, on the stars? What do you think of that? Well, so I, I was more offensive, but I'll try to offer some defensive insight. So, I mean, obviously they will more than likely not play man. Um, they may play man on some of this, but the problem is the chiefs have too much speed to play man. So you're definitely going to see some deep kind of zones, whether it's, you know, cover four, maybe um, you def- you need two safeties, but you know, back of the corners, you need them um, because you need that extra support behind them. You know, you can't have, I don't, Todd Bowles likes to pressure, but you can't pressure with the safeties when playing the Chiefs because one, Mahomes can get it out so fast, and two, with all the speed in the receivers and even Kelsey, they can get upfield so quickly that you need guys, as many guys um, in the deep part of the field to, you know, limit. Even Tyreek Hill catches it so he can't take another 30 yards, 40 yards, whatever they are position on the field. So that's all I can say. I mean, again, I'm not a great defensive guy. I only played offense. I only really like offense. Um, and, and Madden, I'm not the greatest defensive uh, play caller either, but, uh, so I mean, no, you finish. And then I'll say what I was going to say. No, so that's basically, that's pretty much it. Just, I, I, if it was me, I would definitely make sure you have two safeties and especially one of them spying on Tyreek Hill 24 seven, every, every play that Tyreek Hill is on that field. But the thing with Kelsey though, is sorry, Castle, um, that dude, he's tough to cover because he knows where he is on the field every single play, too. He is so good with his, like, spatial awareness that he knows, like, he just has such good position at every part of the field. He knows where the linebackers are. That's why he's always open. He, you know, he's not like Tyree Kill and will just run a fade and beat you deep every single play. But he'll constantly get open because he just has such good awareness with the spacing of the field and the spacing between linebackers and DBs and other uh, defensive players on the field. So that's why it is like, it's just so tough to cover just those two. And then you have the running backs and you have Mahomes and that's why they won it last year. And that's why they're back in it this year. And that's why they will probably be in it next year. And for many years to come until that team, especially on the offensive side breaks apart. You gave a lot more insight than uh, than you thought, Steve. Don't sell yourself short with that. No, I, I I definitely agree. As we've all covered, Tyreek is going to be the biggest challenge for this Bucks defense. We've we've touched upon some of the some of the players that are going to be big stars, but one thing that I want to get your guys' thoughts on is this coaching matchup. So we got Andy Reid, who one of my favorite coaches in the league. I mean. You know, Mr. Cheeseburger himself, he, he's just a fun guy to watch. He's got a lot of experience in the league. And then you got Bruce Arians, who I, I give him credit for what he's done with this Bucks team. You know, early episodes, I've expressed how, you know, I wasn't a big fan of what I've seen. But, hey, they, they made it to the game. They made it to the Super Bowl. And, here, and here's my question for you guys. You know, Brady and Arians, this is obviously their first season together. Brady, every other Super Bowl that he's won – has been with Belichick, and we all know that that was New England's system. That that's how they operated. Do we see some issues between Arians and Brady throughout the game? Could could their the fact that their relationship is so the player coach relationship is so young, and and Brady has his experiences in the Super Bowl? Do you guys think that it can it can hold the Bucks back a little bit? Um, I don't think it would hold them back, but I think. Arians might step back a little and let Brady do more of his coaching if he says to Bruce Arians that he knows that on third and goal that maybe a fade route to Gronk here is the best plan as opposed to a power run with a fullback, then Arians might be more likely to listen to him because Brady's going for his seventh Super Bowl victory. So I I don't think it'd be in, there'd be issues during the game because they've worked it looked like they've worked out their 
problems throughout the, that they've had throughout the season as they're on an, on an insane tear right now. Antonio Brown looks like he's in regular season form. Mike Evans is ridiculous. Chris Godwin's coming, coming along well. Uh, Leonard Fournette is producing as a running back. And then, like you guys mentioned on their defense, they have guys who are stepping up. JPP and uh, Shaquille Barrett doing a very good job as linebackers. So I, I don't really see it being an issue between Brady and Arians. Yeah, it's Josh. I, um, I could see your point there. And I think that, and Josh, you mentioned it too. Um, I think Arians will, and Byron Leftwich, their offensive coordinator, will allow Brady to not call the plays, but as a game is progressing and Brady sees what the Chiefs defense is doing, their disguises, if they're sending any pressure, their coverages. I mean, Brady's a six-time Super Bowl champ. He's Tom Brady. He knows he's played quarterback for how long. He knows, you know, as the game goes on, what will work, what probably won't work. Um, So I think that, you know, I don't think um, their relationship and or say things like maybe start to get ugly early, not a blowout, but like, Maybe the Chiefs get an early lead and not just like three nothing, seven nothing, like say if it's 10, 14 nothing early. Um, I don't think Arians and Brady will clash heads, but maybe, you know, Arians will kind of be like, well, you know what, Brady, you're out there. What are you seeing? Let me know. Um, and then have Brady kind of just take it on from there and just trust that Brady can make the play, make the throw, and then hope that the receivers can make the catch and make that big play. So, listen, every – it's a Super Bowl. So, every, every coaching, player, um, relationship, and just whatever matters out there. Um, but you can't let anything get in the way of trying to achieve the goal of winning the game and hosting the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the night. So, um, obviously – Andy Reid and Mahomes, they're going to look like they've – that Mahomes has been coached by Andy Reid for 20 years. They just have that chemistry, and and Reid knows what Mahomes likes, what Mahomes – I mean, Mahomes pretty much succeeds at everything. But Arians, he's, he's not stupid. Brady's not stupid. So they're both – even though they're new together this year, now they've had a pretty much a full season – and Brady is super experienced. I mean, Brady's 43. He's like the oldest starting quarterback in the league. He's Like I said, he's six-time Super Bowl champ. And then Arians, he's a well-respected coach. He's been coached for a while. So I don't think it'll be that much of an issue. I don't think it'll, it will um, cause any disruption in the game for them. Both of you guys <clears throat> gave very fair answers. I, I agree with both of you. I think that Arians and Brady have have – hopefully worked out their kinks at this point and that they're used to this offense that they're working with that just is keeping the ball rolling. It was just something for me to think about because most of Brady's legacy is what he's done with the Patriots and the Super Bowls and Bill Belichick. So it was just an interesting, it was an interesting take to see because we know how competitive Brady is and we know we've seen how animated he could get on the sidelines So it was just something to think about. So with that, to conclude the Super Bowl talk, obviously we got to hear what you guys think. What are your predictions? Um, This this hurts for me to say, but I do think Tampa Bay is going to win. Mahomes, I think, will will put on a great game. I... He is 100% healthy, right? He's still good at... Yeah, so he's 100% healthy now. But I don't know. I just – I think with what Brady has done with this team and how how locked in he is when it comes time for Super Bowl and the experiences that he's had in it, I think that just surpasses what Mahomes has done in the past. So my final prediction – I'm not too good with score predictions. Uh, I'll, I'll say it's a close one. I'm going to say it's uh, – hmm. I'm going to say it's 27-21 bucks. 
that that that's my prediction. Josh, I I know you're you're not too happy that I'm saying Brady's going to win. So l- let's hear your prediction. I mean, it'll definitely be a good game, and I don't think Brady will have a bad game. But I just think, like I've been saying, there's no way of stopping Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, also Le'Veon Bell, Clyde Edwards-Alaire if he plays. Is he playing, Steve? Uh, uh, Le'Veon or Clyde? Clyde. I hmm, that's a. I haven't really heard any reports with any of the injuries, really. I, I want to say he's good to go, but I could be wrong. Um, I definitely have to look more into it because I haven't seen any injury report for the game yet. Yeah, so, I mean, regardless, like Clyde Edwards or Le'Veon Bell, they're both good running backs. So I'm going to go 34-28 Kansas City. Well, Castle, I'm going to agree with you, and I think Tom Brady's going to go to Disney World, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be Super Bowl 55 champions. Tom Brady is going to leave New England, or he left New England after six Super Bowl rings. He's going to join a completely new team with new players, new coach, new ownership, and deliver Tampa Bay a Super Bowl since John Gruden was there. In their, own, in their home stadium at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, be the first team to do in NFL history. And I think the Bucs will win 31-27. I hope I don't regret this. I hope I didn't make the wrong choice. But I, I, I think Tom Brady realizes that, yes, he still thinks he can play for a few more years, but his time's winding down and that here's a great opportunity to get one more ring because Mahomes will have plenty of time. So, Castle, you were saying Brady's going to be locked in. He's going to be ready to go. And I think the Buccaneers will uh, be holding up that Lombardi trophy and one of the Buccaneers players, Tom Brady or maybe Evans or maybe someone on the defense will be headed to Disney World with a brand-new car. It will absolutely be a great game. It will be a great quarterback matchup. We're also treated to a great halftime show this year, the weekend great artists. So it should all around be a great, great day. Great day. Wish I was going to be watching with you gentlemen, but unfortunately we're all in separate locations for quarantine, but I know we'll be talking throughout the game and whatnot. Before we uh, exit football talk, we got to talk about this trade that went down between the Lions and the Rams. The Lions received Jared Goff for two first round picks and a third round pick which to me seems insane. I mean, Matt Stafford is a great quarterback. I I like Stafford. I'm a fan of him. But the question that everyone's got to be wondering is, is he worth giving up all of that? I mean, Stafford's had his battle with injuries. He's definitely getting up there in age. Is it really worth it? Was it really worth it for the Rams to give up all that for Stafford? Is he going is he the missing piece that they need to bring them to the Super Bowl? Steve, what are your thoughts? Well, so being an NFC North guy since I like the Bears and I've watched Matthew Stafford play for quite a while now. He plays the Bears twice a year. He definitely is a more consistent quarterback that Sean McVay's looking for, that he can trust with a game. And not that he couldn't trust golf, but as the years went on. I think it was getting harder and harder for McVay to fully trust Goff to lead the Rams to a victory. He kind of had to just rely on Goff being a game manager and trusting the defense to really hold them. And we see in today's game, pretty much if you don't have a good quarterback and good offense, you don't win too many games. It, they used to say offense wins games, defense wins championships, and it almost seems like it's starting to flip. Um, you know, not to go back to the Chiefs, but the Chiefs' defense is good, but it's not anything special. They have some really good players like Matthew, Chris Jones, uh, a few good young like DBs, but then you just look at their offense. So I think that's why McVeigh was like Stafford. He seemed that like you know what he was a guy he wanted, and they gave up Goff, who's on a big contract. I think they started to regret signing him to that huge extension. And then we see the Rams, 
they've never really they haven't drafted in the first round in a while. Um, they used a bunch of picks to actually move up to number one to get Goff, and then they traded like a first round pick or second round pick, whatever, for Brandon Cooks, and then they traded the number you know a few first round picks for Jalen Ramsey. So it almost seems like not that they're not worried about their future, but they'd rather get a guy that they know is established and can help the team right away than say maybe a rookie that can um that still needs some time until they're really offering huge um numbers and stats and help to the team. So do I think it was a bit much? Yes. But if you value Stafford high and you value the quarterback position high, which I think every team should pretty much the quarterback is the biggest position that and most important position on the field. If not, it's in the top two. I, I think it is a it is the most important position. I don't know why I'm even debating it. So it was definitely a lot, but you know what? Who knows? The Rams maybe that was a final piece to get them back to the Super Bowl and then for them to be the winners, unlike a few years ago when they lost to the Patriots. I respectfully disagree, Steve. I think it was way too much for no reason. Granted, Stafford's a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But like you said, like Alex said, he's getting up there in age. Jared Goff, first overall pick. Jared Goff has been to the Super Bowl. Matt Stafford has never won a playoff game. I I don't like this move at all. Stafford bad, sorry, Jared Goff battled injuries this year. The criticism he got from his team, from his coach this year, I don't think was worth it at all. He battled, he had thumb surgery and still had to come in in relief, lead his team to victory on the road in a playoff game in Seattle against a divisional, uh, against a conference opponent. I I don't think Jared Goff gets the credit he deserves. He's not a bad quarterback. I don't know why the Rams felt like they needed to move on from him. He had no solid run game since Todd Gurley left a few years ago, and that was a big part of it, of their success. So I think if you build around him, give give him the running back, a steady running back, then this Rams team, especially with their defense, is a good playoff team that can contend. Now, from it's you said golf doesn't deserve the credit, um, or doesn't get the credit that he deserves. I don't think Stafford gets the credit he deserves. I agree with that also. You know, he's played in Detroit. Golf has played under McVay his entire career in LA with a great defense. Matt Stafford has played for numerous head coaches, numerous just it seems like the coaches, it's just constant change. The roster constantly changes. Um you know, like Stafford, he's played through injuries and hasn't said anything and still puts up monster numbers. I mean, this dude throws for like 4,000 yards pretty much every year. And even this year, his leading receiver, Kenny Galladay, missed most of the season. Um, and they, like, the defense has never been solid. It's just what Stafford has done with Detroit, to me, with like the coaching. I mean, Matt Patricia, that was just awful. And he still put up great numbers. And he still kept them... And even a lot of their losses, if you look at a lot of their losses, it's not blowouts. They're, they're in a lot of the games. So, to me, I think that, like, yes, you could argue, I could see the argument why they gave up, you know, why um, the uh, Rams gave up a lot to get Stafford and maybe they gave up too much. But in reality, the, like, Stafford is really good. He is... Problem is, just no one watched him too much because he played in Detroit and they didn't really have a lot of national, nationally televised games. And the few they did, it was like Thanksgiving. And, you know, the Lions don't really do well on Thanksgiving, even though they play every single year on Thanksgiving. So, but I think, I don't know, I, I, really, I really like Stafford a lot. So do I. I really like Stafford. But, I mean, look, granted, this year – he had an injured Kennedy Galladay, but he's had solid receivers his entire career. Don't get me wrong. He's still a very talented guy. 
the key is the Rams will be better with him. I don't think they'll be a Super Bowl contender, but I think they'll be better. But look, he had Calvin Johnson in his early years. And that, granted, like Calvin Johnson was dealing with his own injuries. He retired very young. He had Marvin Jones when Marvin Jones had his insane year. Kenny Galladay has been solid for a few years now. So he's had at least a true number one almost every year that he's played. It seems like so has Jared Goff, but he hasn't had a run game. So I think that was, and that was definitely a big part of their success when they lost in the Super Bowl. Well, yeah. And like, listen, like you said, he, he had all these number one guys, but the offense was never really the issue for the Lions. They just didn't have great coaching to lead the entire team to victories. And the defense a lot of times was struggled and gave up a lot of points. So really, the, you know, the Lions' offense never was a problem. It wasn't like he had all these guys and he could have put up numbers. Meanwhile, on the other hand, Goff has put up numbers. Some, you know, like um, and one year he put up um, – it was a year that they went to the Super Bowl. He did re- really well. But besides that, he's had a great offense too. And, I mean, he had the number one defense this year, and the Rams still struggled to win a lot of games. I mean, they, they got in – Week 17. It wasn't like they were guaranteed in for the playoffs since week 14. I mean, it was pretty much winning in. And, you know, they won. Um, and Goff didn't even win that game because he was injured. John Wolford did in that defense, really that defense. So I'm saying you give Stafford the pretty much the number one, number one ranked defense with some solid weapons like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and then under Sean McVay. I think you'll see a whole different Rams team. I could be wrong, but I think that Stafford can do a lot more than Jared Goff can. I don't disagree saying that. I think Stafford will definitely do a little better because I'm not denying the fact that he's a better quarterback, but I don't think the trade was the right trade for either team because the Lions received way too much for Matt Stafford. The Rams gave up way too much, but Keep in, keep in mind, the Rams' offensive line battled so many injuries. Their best offensive lineman, Andrew Whitworth, went down earlier in the year. I think it was at torn ACL, and he managed to come back later in the year and play throughout the playoffs. Clearly wasn't 100%, so that was definitely a big part of it. He's protecting uh, Jared Goff's blindside, I believe. And that's a big loss to have most of the year. And, yeah, he didn't have the best year but I didn't agree with the trade. He, he's still way too young, way too talented to give up on. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a very good comeback year in Detroit with a new team. I could definitely see a comeback for Jared Goff. It's a new system. It's a brand new coach who seems very enthusiastic about what he's going to bring to the city of Detroit, what he's going to bring for this team. I also like Matt Stafford going Hollywood. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby. He's got his guys. Despite the Rams giving up too much, I think it'll be interesting on both ends, and we'll have to see what occurs with this next season. But now we got to talk some hoops. Before we get into our teams, for those of you who don't know, the NBA All-Star Game will be returning this season. Originally, it was canceled. The game was supposed to be held in Indiana. Now it is going to be played in Atlanta. There's no confirmation if the other events will be occurring, like the three-point shootout, the skills challenge. But I think it's great that they brought it back. One of my favorite all-star weekends is what the NBA puts on. Um, Voting has also started the first round of voting. I can't believe I'm giving credit to the Nets, but they got three of their Three of their top guys, the big three, all in voting. I believe Joey Buckets is involved in the voting too. So Josh will touch upon that later. I got to give a shout out to my guy, Julius Randle, representing the Knicks. So it's great. It's great to have the All-Star game back. Do you guys see the league pushing the other events or do you think they're just going to take it more easy and just stick with the All-Star game? So I believe from the report I saw, it would be the All-Star game plus the three-point shootout and the slam dunk. But that's really it, because obviously they want to limit how many people are there. I, I don't know if how many fans or if fans will be allowed to attend. 
But either way, All-Star Game, All-Star Weekend is always a great thing for the fans, for the players involved. It's a great experience for all. So I'm glad that the league has pushed and want to be able to do this and find a way to safely do it during this time. Uh, I want to give the shout-out, like you said, to the Nets. Harden, Durant, Kyrie, the big three, they're all basically going to be starters as of right now during the first round of voting. Incredible to see that throughout the criticism that the team has gotten, that they can't work well, they can't – there's only one ball that they've managed to work. James Harden is the only player in the league averaging double-digit assists. He's made it work, and the Nets are coming up with big wins. A few nights ago, they beat the Clippers – the best defensive team in the league again. It was a very fun game to watch. Steve, what are your thoughts about the layout for All-Star Weekend so far, the voting? You think the league's doing a good job? You think they could be doing more? I mean, I think they're doing a good job. Um, if they believe that this is this will work out, then I'm totally in for it. Um, if they had to cut out one of between the three-point contest and the slam dunk contest, if they had to cut out one of them, and only have one, I'd rather see the slam dunk contest. I think that one brings in more of the views and hype around it. I mean, because we see these guys pretty much in a three-point contest every single game. Um, And obviously, we see our fair share of dunks, but you don't see all these cool dunks that we see in the slam dunk contest really happen in real game because it's hard to do. But the three-point contest, these guys are going to have their same shooting form and the same shot and – pretty much make the same threes that they've been making all year so but I like to see both Uh, but I think it's good I think um, I know I've seen some players or some analysts some of them have different opinions they don't they think it's stupid or they don't think it's Uh, uh, Fox yeah that's exactly what I was thinking of Darren Fox thinks it's stupid so listen they're gonna have to try to balance some of the players opinions I know the players usually love all-star weekend but this year with COVID and everything else, it's completely different. Um, so it'll be interesting to see on one or two. I just kind of was thinking of this. If, so say like a guy like De'Aaron Fox, say he doesn't think it's the best idea and he gets elected to the All-Star game, is he going to sit out? I mean, it's, I'm sure he could opt out. Um, I'm sure the league is going to be more flexible with it. Like this year, if they don't feel safe traveling, they could opt out. It's like an injured player, I assume. And then they get replaced by the next like vote getter or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I, I mean, I definitely think it'll be good. It'll be a good little break. And I mean, we saw between the bubble and then so far with this season, I think it would kind of be good to just look back and kind of see the progress that has been made so far. And it would be almost like a good, um, not celebration, but like a good, like, um, a good way to honor the players. Yes, exactly. You know, so, yeah, I, I like it. Hopefully the league, what they agreed to with the NBA PA, it's a good plan. Everything will work out smoothly. And come March 7th, I think that's a date that they agreed to, we'll be able to watch the All-Star game and hopefully the three-point contest and definitely the slam dunk contest. I think that's a great point you brought up about Fox. I didn't even know that he had made that comment. I can definitely see players opting out all-star weekend. If, if you're not a top guy, if you don't want to risk the injury, if you'd rather see your family, I think it's a great chance. And I think it really does give the players a little bit of a break. But on the other hand, I do think like, uh, like Josh, you had said, it's a great thing for the fans. And I think players will want to show out. My question, I guess for both of you, we, but we all, like you said, Steve, we want the, the slam dunk contest. What uh, give me some names of guys you want to see in this land dunk? If Zion Williamson, absolutely Zion, Zion Williamson. So just Zion, that's it. <laughs> that's that's who I no, I want to see Zion. I I I like to see Miles Bridges. That dude has been throwing yams down with a mellow ball. Yeah, that dunk he had yesterday was crazy. I was watching Sports Center earlier. And pretty much they've just shown highlights of the mellow ball passes to Miles Bridges and he and him just dunking it, whether it's an alley-oop or just a normal, you know, or a cool pass. And that dude just slams it down with such authority. It's unreal. So I think Zion, Miles Bridges. Um, I mean, I'd love to see LeBron in a dunk contest. I, feel I was like just going to say LeBron. I was just going to say LeBron. 
right? He's never been in one. It, like maybe this is the perfect year. He'll actually do it. Exactly. Except, except that's I doubt because you know no fan, very little fans. If anything, I don't know if LeBron would do it. Uh, who knows? Maybe he'll like do it this year because since no fans to get the viewership up. But um, the ratings will be up. Yeah. I mean, that would just be awesome. But I really, I really want to see Zion because that's my guy. And how, like, how can Zion not be in it? Or Ja? I think Ja would be sick in it. That's what I was gonna say. Either Ja Moran or Donovan Mitchell. Those two are so incredible, incredible dunking. They always bring something unique, and they're must-see TV whenever they're driving to the rim. And you know, maybe my guy Zach Levine might just have to come back and win his third slam dunk contest. I mean, this time in a Bulls uniform. Or you yeah, want dude. Yeah, Gordon. Yeah, I I could see Levine. Honestly, I could see Levine coming back because of the season he's having. I think him hypothetically winning the dunk contest could just cap off the great season he's had. He deserved to win a few years ago, so it would make sense if he came back. That that was a great matchup. That was a great matchup. It uh, listen. I hope we get the dunk contest. I hope we get the three point contest. The skills challenge would be nice. But if we can just get the game, the dunk, and the three-point, I'll be very happy with that because we'll get some normalcy with All-Star Weekend. So we got to see. But as we mentioned earlier, we got some of our guys who are, uh, who are in the voting, our favorite teams. I'll start off with my guys at the Garden, the Knicks. Man, I cannot get enough of Emmanuel quickly. I mean, he is mastering the floater. I'm declaring him as the steal of the draft. I know we've talked about it a lot, but kudos to the Knicks for drafting him. James Dolan must have been asleep when they made that pick or something. So very happy with that. Stevie, I'm sorry, but we had a good two-game series. Uh, The Knicks came out winning the final game. It was a close one. But I got to give a lot of credit to the Bulls. I really like them. They're they're a fun team to watch. I mean, Zach Levine has just a – Evolved into this incredible player just so much talent I mean he could be anywhere on the court he could dunk he can shoot he could do everything and I'm sure you'll elaborate more on that but yeah I I, I can't be I can't be upset with the Knicks they're in between Boston and Toronto ahead of Toronto which I would have never expected so just keep the momentum going and shit Knicks could be a playoff team which would be uh which would be very exciting considering what I dealt with this football season. So why don't we switch gears to the other New York team and uh, we'll have our Brooklyn analyst, Josh Fromwitz, give us the rundown of what the Nets have been up to. First, I kind of want to piggyback off of what you were saying about Emmanuel quickly being the steal. And I cannot agree more. Um, I dislike watching Knicks basketball, but he makes it bearable. Just seeing him and Julius Randle are so much fun on the court. Randall's looking like a, almost a seven-foot point guard. could kind of do it all. He's got such a nice touch for a lefty, whether it's scoring down low, bringing up the ball, dishing, playing some defense. He does it all. And Emmanuel quickly definitely deserves to be on at least a rookie team, probably second rookie, a rookie team just because of all the rookie guards this year. But um, transitioning over to the Nets – Yeah, we have a big three. They're kind of nasty. Joe Harris doesn't miss from three. Uh, We still need height. We need better defense. So, yeah, it seems like same normal nets. We're playing better and harder on both ends of the floor. Um, I was impressed with our game against the Clippers. Our game against the Wizards was atrocious, but they bounced back and played really hard all 48 minutes. Very good defense. Kawhi Leonard doesn't miss, but they were able to neutralize Paul George's use, so that's good. Got a game against the uh, the Raptors tomorrow, so that'll be fun to watch. The Tampa Bay Raptors. So I'm excited. It's looking very bright for the Nets right now. Before we get into uh, what's going on in Chi-Town, Josh, I got to ask, What's going on with, uh, with JaVale McGee? I've heard some rumors that the Nets are trying to pursue him. Obviously, they need another big man. And any updates with that? Because I, I think he could be a great fit for you guys. I, I, I like McGee a lot. Yeah, so I think right now the Nets are just playing the waiting game because they have nothing to give up. 
in trade, we are probably going to wait for them to buy out his contract and let the Nets sign him for like a one-year veteran minimum deal, which I, I don't know when that'll be, but it'll be before the trade deadline, so that's good. And yeah, we just signed uh, Norvell Pell last week. He hasn't seen the court yet, but he hasn't really practiced either. So he's a good rim-protecting rim big man. I'm excited to see what he brings. And in a few weeks, Nicholas Claxton, our rookie from last year, is going to be playing. So that's another big man that'll, that'll see some floor time. So I'm excited about those two, at least for right now. And hopefully JaVale McGee is added to the mix. Powell's a former Raptor, right? Norvell Pell is uh, – no, you're thinking of Norman Powell. Oh, okay. Norvell Pell is a former 76er. Okay, okay. Thank you for clarifying. But sounds like the Nets got another piece. I Listen, i obviously a Knicks fan, but Nets, uh, Nets can score when they need to score, obviously, one of the highest scoring teams in the league. But the defense is uh, – defense, they got to step up. So I hope that works out. But enough about New York – Steve, what's going on with the Bulls? What's going on in Chicago? Give us the rundown. Listen, you know, the Bulls are sitting, sitting at 8-12 uh, and 12 right now, number 11 in the Eastern Conference. Is there where they want to be? Of course not. But I'll tell you what, and I know you could probably say the same about the Knicks who are 10 and, 10 and 13 sitting at the ninth seed. Between Billy Donovan and the Bulls and Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks, those two guys have these teams playing hard, competitive and they're not bowing down to any opponent whether it's the Lakers Clippers Bucks all these contenders um I really really am impressed with what Billy Donovan is doing I'm also like I said impressed with Tom Thibodeau the Knicks have looked the Knicks have looked great I'll, I'll say that the Knicks have they haven't some games they have not looked the strongest or they looked strong and then they fell apart a little bit but compared to the last few seasons the Knicks have looked great to me but back to my bulls um for instance the in the first knicks bulls game billy donovan called the timeout like 50 seconds into the game because he didn't like the effort he saw and and he said that um and between him and the players he didn't even say anything during that timeout he let levine that young a lot of the veterans and leaders you know marketing step up and say listen guys what are we doing out there? Let's go. Let's play together. And they ended up winning that game. And then yesterday, uh, the Knicks jumped out to a huge lead. But then the Bulls came back. So that's what I like to see with the Bulls is I, I knew they're not going to be a contender, like number one, two, three, four seed. I was, you know, I'm hoping for middle to bottom half. Uh, it's still really early in the season. So I know there's still time. But they're competitive. They, if they're down a lot, they usually come back. Sometimes they've been up and they've lost the lead, so you like to work that out. But so far from what I've seen, I mean, I'm impressed with this team. Martin the other night against that first game against the Knicks, he had like over 30 points. He shot really well from three, especially in the first half. His shooting got a little shaky in the second half of that game, but for the most part, he looked dominant in that game. Zach Levine has just looked phenomenal. Castle, like you were saying earlier, um, his whether he drives, I mean, his – his three-point shot has been unreal this year. He really has made a lot of threes and clutch threes. Um, so I love Levine. I hope they don't – I don't think they're going to move him. So, But I hope he stays with the Bulls for a long time. And then you just got to hope guys, young guys like Kobe White continue to develop. He was doing really well in the beginning of the season. He's kind of cooled down a little bit, but he's, he plays hard every second. Uh, he's shifty, which I like. Then you got Pat Williams, the rookie, who a lot of people were kind of surprised he went number four. But I really like his game. I mean, he's the youngest player in the NBA. You gotta, it's going to take him time. And then I think my favorite acquisition of the offseason, Garrett Temple off the bench has been huge. He came from uh, – did he come from the Nets? Right, this offseason he came from the Nets. And he's older, but he's a solid veteran off the bench. Between him and Thad Young, they've been awesome awesome so i hope the bulls start turning these games into wins more wins um but overall i i like where the direction this team is going so i can only really say good things i can't if jim bolin was still the coach i'd be saying completely other stuff that's probably uh not suitable for this audience so 
That's why I'm, I'm glad Billy Donovan's leading the way. Yeah, I really like what the Bulls are doing. I, I love Zach Levine's game. I think the Bulls might be lost without him and what he's providing on a nightly basis just because he can, he makes up almost 100% of their points, it seems like, every night. But um, Kobe White is something special. He had such a hot start of the year and has cooled off lately, but still providing that spark, like you said. I think last year really didn't live up to the hype that he got out of UNC, but this year he's, prov- he's providing like a much-needed point guard role that the Bulls have so desperately needed haven't really had that since D Rose. So it's good to see uh, a point guard back in Chicago because we all miss Derek Rose in Chicago. And it's yes, good we to, do. And it's good to see the guys like Patrick Williams playing well because, like you said, the youngest guy in the league, nothing but a bright future for him. That was really nice, Josh. Thank you. I can be nice sometimes to you. I got to say, it's very refreshing for all of us to talk about our favorite teams, all of our favorite basketball teams, considering what we all had to deal with through the football season. So we all, we're all making great progress. Bulls got a little more to figure out, but I'm very happy with Billy Donovan. I mean, highly recruited to be an NBA coach out of Florida. So Bulls got a good system. They got to keep it going. The Nets just need to pick up on defense. Same with the Knicks a little bit, but otherwise, we're all going to keep the ball rolling. February is going to be another great month of basketball, so we got a lot in store for that. Before we wrap up the show, we got to talk a little puck. Rangers, Josh, obviously, you'll get a little more into this. Rangers have been, I don't know if hot and cold is the right word to use, but they've shown some good signs, and then some games they struggle a little bit. I mean, beating, beating the Penguins is always nice. Nice 3-1 game. Losing to them in overtime, that was a tough one. But they're, uh, they're three and four right now, I believe. So they, they definitely got to pick it up. But they're also in a very, very tough conference. I mean, you know, you got Boston, you got Philly. I mean, loaded right now. They're Washington, playing Washington tonight. Yeah. Going to be a tough game too. So, Josh, you're, you're more the Rangers guy than me what do they need to do to get out of this little slump that they're in to at least get them past the Islanders who it's got to be painful that the records are identical right now. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely tough, but one bright spot is we have put up points every game against the Penguins. We've lost, I believe now twice in overtime or maybe, yeah, I believe so. And one win. So that's very good. Um, We're a very young team. By far the youngest team in the NHL. So it's going to take time. We're in a very, very tough conference. Every single team, it seems like, has made the playoffs within the last year or two. And then there's the Sabres and the Devils and the Rangers. So there's a huge drop-off. Um, but the Rangers have young pieces that are looking really promising. Tondre Miller, defenseman from Steve Yer, Wisconsin Badgers, is looking so good. He's already been promoted to the first line, and he's only 20, 21 years old. Alexi Lafreniere scored his first hockey goal last week, and it was an overtime game-winning goal. So that's as huge of a situation as it gets. Mika Zibanejad has started off really cold this year, but that's also because no training camp, no preseason. So that's going to be that's going to uh, turn around soon. Artemi Panarin hasn't been putting up the same points, even though he's on track to put up point like a point a game. The Ranger fans expect more from him just because he was a top three finalist for MVP voting last year. And Igor Sturkin started off very cold, but he's had some very good starts the past few games. But look, we got to keep scrapping out these games. The Rangers aren't, they're holding on to leads for most of the game, but it seems like they're only playing maybe 40 minutes a game of hockey instead of 60, which that's the issue. So as long as they scrap the entire 60 minutes of hockey, then and just give it a, like their best effort every single game, then they'll be fine. I don't expect much out of them, like aside like for a deep playoff run, but as long as we see effort and the guys getting better each game, then that's really all us Ranger fans and Steve could ask for. 
<laughs> but uh, sorry, my bad. But um, Lafreniere, a lot of people were, you know, even myself, like, you know, number one pick. He was so hyped up. Like, he still hasn't scored his first career point, and then he finally got it. And but what a lot of people don't understand is this year has been really tough for rookies and really everyone, obviously. But rookies, like for him, he hasn't played in pretty much entire year before he played his first NHL career game. There was no preseason. He didn't play in any other leagues or like the juniors or anything like that. He had like very little training camp. So he was pretty much coming in raw and he's 18 or 19, 18, right? So you have, I mean, that's such a super young age to whether he had all that experience and played in those leagues and whatever before the start of the regular season, it would probably still take him a while to get adjusted. And then when you haven't played the sport in a year, I don't care if you're really good or not, it's going to take a while, especially when you are like, here you go, go into the NHL and start putting up, you know, numbers and play well for us. Yeah, it's going to be tough. So I think he's got a really bright future, but I love that country Miller too. That dude is filthy. He is, he's going to be good. I think he's, he's going to lock down. um, He's going to have that spot on the Rangers defense for a while. And, they got a young, a good young core they're building. So they you just got to hope that they can finish these games. And because again, they're, they're right in them like every game. And sometimes they fall behind and then they catch up or they are leading and then they lose it. So you just kind of have to play a consistent game. And then pretty much, pretty soon those losses or those overtime losses will start turning into wins. So we'll have to see uh, what the future holds for the Rangers, but I think it'd be pretty bright. I hope so. Definitely seems like there's a lot of potential there. So we, we got to see. Steve, before we, uh, before we call it for this episode, any, any hockey uh, insight on your end you want to give? I know you said you were following the Sabres. Is that still the case? Yeah, so I, I like the Sabres. Um, I, I, always, I still follow the Rangers. I like the Rangers, but, um, but I like the Sabres. I really like Jack Eichel. Same thing, they're, they're kind of right in the middle of the pack. They haven't some good young pieces, but the goaltending's shaky, so you definitely have to gotta hopefully they uh turn that around or get a different goaltender. But you got a guy like Don Lean, really good defenseman, especially, you know, offensive defenseman too. Jack Eichel's just been I love Jack Eichel. Um he's phenomenal. So you have some young pieces. Dylan Cozens, he's a rookie this year. He scored like twice already and he's only he hasn't played the full season he he plays a few games and he gets uh, sent back to like the taxi squad so taxi squad's kind of like um not like i don't even know how to fully explain it but you kind of get loaned there for this season um so guys there it's kind of like just a little space where they can still practice it's, and, my, it's like a minor league but there's no minor league hockey at the moment yes so it still keeps them in hockey shape and still keeps them competing something like that but they're not really playing um, any games or anything like that. But when he's played, he's looked good. Uh, but then you have a team like the Lightning have looked phenomenal this year. Again, um, we're out West. I know uh, my buddy, who's Trevor, who's an Avalanche fan, he's so far not disappointed, but he liked to see his team play better. And McKinnon, he's out for a week, so that's a big loss for them. Uh, McKinnon's, you know, easily one of or – yeah, I mean, he's not the uh, McDavid's the best player in the league right now, but he's he's definitely top three. So it, the hockey world's definitely interesting right now. Teams are really competing, and like me and Josh were saying earlier, every game matters, especially since they're playing their rivals now. Um, so a team like the Lightning, who's like six one and one, are off to a really good start, and then you have a team like the Rangers who. They got to pick up the pace pretty soon because it's not like every other every season has been in the past where okay it's still early because these games matter so it's it's definitely worth the watch and definitely worth uh, the wait to see what happens. Absolutely, just like the NBA, we got another full month of hockey. It's 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 anyone's game at this point with with the amount of competitive teams and the standings and everything that's at stake. And I think it's definitely more that we're going to cover on the show. Hockey is definitely something that I'm getting more into of 
it's exciting. It's fun. And with what's at stake with this season, I think it makes it even more interesting to follow. So that's all we got for this episode. As always, we like to give a shout out to our social media guy, Matt Angler. He does a great job of keeping the page updated, giving you all the sports content that you would need, even breaking news before the major publication sometimes. So give us a follow at the Three P Podcast. And for this episode, I'm Alex Castle, and I had the pleasure of being joined by Stephen Bonazzo, Josh Ramwitz. Thank you, everyone. Take care and stay safe and look out for next week's episode. We'll